If you're trying to create a, a trend, just be really, really good at whatever the thing is that you're trying to do. Be single-minded, don't compromise on that. It has to be good enough that I want to do it again. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, fitness business mentor and speaker Emma Barry shares her insights into boutique and big club trends, why it's so critical to mix up your training and delivering beautiful end-to-end experiences with the Fitness Industry Podcast's Alicia Smith. excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here because as you and I were just discussing, obviously I've been blessed to have you as my mentor for the past few months. And I've been blessed to be your mentor. Thank you. <laughs> and um, to actually be sitting in the same room with you is, is strange and exciting all at the same time. So thanks for being here. Yeah. So we're going to chat today about trends, fitness industry trends. Now let's just jump straight in with the first question being, what is a fitness industry trend? How do you know something is a trend? Great. And I think the simplest uh, explanation for that is, you know, what are people seeking to do? And I always look at the, the customer and the consumer and really it's what, they, what they're banging on your doors and asking for. So in the States, it's things like bar and boxing. Over here, HIT obviously is the number one trend, which has been proven. You know, we know that from a club side, but also that's what's bringing in the numbers. So it's things that people want to do. There are some misconceptions around trend. People think that they're front of trend or at the beginning of a trend. If you're at the beginning of the trend, if you're at the bleeding edge, you're not cool yet. So really we're in trend or on trend. And I think that's the way that I look at it. So stuff that drives consumer behaviour is the simplest way of thinking of it. Okay, so that's really interesting. Now, you know, I think the question that springs to mind from there for me is understanding how something does become something that a consumer wants. So, you know, often in the fitness industry, we know there are things that our clients might need, but we don't necessarily know how to give them what they want. So how does something actually become a trend? Does a consumer see something, they're exposed to something, or is it more that the fitness industry, the trainer, the club, whoever it might be, you know, exposes them to something and that sort of pushes them gently in that direction? How does it happen? It can be both. It has to ultimately become relevant. Now, I live in the United States. And to be honest, we're very celebrity driven. So we've all known that something like meditation has been coming for the longest time. We definitely need it. We can't quiet the voices in our heads, etc. But it's not until the executives at Google and Microsoft start doing that we start paying attention. It wasn't until all the the boxing babes, all the models started boxing that that flipped that trend. So it was always there. And the industry can push it. I mean, having worked in the past for Equinox, we would create some trends, but that's an awful lot of work to do because you have to lift the awareness. You have to get people going, oh, what's happening over there? You have to have a marketing promotional budget behind it to push the awareness. So when you're actually you know, right at the front of the trend, there's a lot of work to do. So I look at things like virtual, which is just beginning to tip in the industry right now. You know, there's lots of clubs, particularly in Europe, some in the States, some in the value-based sector, that are really beginning to rely on virtual 
you know, more of the day and they're using a mixed model in terms of live and virtual. So something like that, you know, we were working on that at Les Mills seven, eight years ago. You know, so that's taken a long time. That's an example of jumping on a trend early, being a first mover but then actually it taking a while for the market to catch up because you've got to get through all the barriers and why this might not work and what's it going to do to the instructors and is it really cool? Then, of course, the cost is very high when you start anything and you have to wait for the cost to come down. So, I mean, that's sort of the way that trends work. So celebritized, the industry can decide hit, for example. We used to go long and slow and think that lost weight. Now we... we hard and fast and then somewhere in the middle there of course is strength training which is also very powerful right now so people are they get educated we sort of roll with the punches you know boxing was very cool back in the 90s actually and it's taken this long to sort of come back again so things are very cyclical there's no really new ideas to be honest we're still a human body moving in normal human planes and ways of moving the way we package it is differently the way that the boutiques have come in and really you know, specialised and created a wonderful experience end-to-end around boxing, bar, cycling, a hit, you know, whatever it is. So that's taught a lot of things to the industry as well. So how it comes through, generally, the industry pushes it a little bit, celebrity pushes a little bit, influencers are pushing things. They're sort of seeing, you know, we're seeing the rise of obstacle races, you know, things that weren't traditionally a part of the fitness industry. And these just get some traction. Someone starts something, it looks cool, a few celebrities, and it gets televised. And then social media is really accelerating things. So, and these things just, it's fashion. It's so, fashion. So you mentioned obstacle course racing there, yeah. and I think that's a really interesting one to jump in on because... You know, I've certainly noticed in Australia, and you can tell me what you're seeing around the world, that there's a trend towards, or maybe trend's not the right word, but I'm definitely noticing that that the boundaries of what the fitness industry is are expanding rapidly. So there's this whole, you know, alternative fitness area with things like obstacle course racing or, you know, meditation sort of fits in somehow now to health and fitness. So, you know, so so how... How do you now define what you what you would think is a fitness industry trend and what is just a, a trend on a fringe kind of area of the fitness industry? Right, and I think it's a great point. I think everything's broadening. So think about it. Everyone is trying to become, or it appears to be, a lifestyle brand. You've got athleisure trying to bring in fitness stuff. You've got fitness companies trying to bring in food and health and well-being and actually having the T-shirt that goes with it. You've got drink water water companies, supplement companies. You've got, you know, all the athleisure brands. You've got clubs themselves. You've got fitness industries, the health and wellness sector. So we're seeing everyone sort of trying to cram uh, or clamber into this, this area where they own the mindset of the person. So I think we should take a broader look, I think is the right answer. So we've traditionally been, you know, a club-based set program. You're either with a personal trainer or group fitness or small group. I think it needs to be broader. I think people are, and we know this from fashion, we know this from uh, retail, we know this from department stores. People are seeking different experiences, but with a similar brand. So what do I mean by that? So I believe in the very near future, and people are doing it already, I will go to my club and do some classes, for example, or train with a trainer or do my own training. I will train at home on those days that I just have meetings at home and I just want to bang something out or my kids are homesick or I can't be bothered putting on makeup, you know, whatever. And I think I will still go to a fitness festival or an obstacle race or a weekend away in Fiji where we go meditation. So I think people are going to be sampling a range of experiences. It's going to broaden if 
you look at the aggregators, they're now pulling in beauty. I can now book my class, book my hair, blow out my dry bar. I can book my beauty, my nails. All of that stuff is being collected because they know that Emma likes this, this, this and this. So all of that is going to get very integrated and we're seeing that in the technology as well. So I personally take a broader look. I think we're long overdue for bringing the medical community or the betterment or the wellness together with fitness, which has been one-dimensional for too long. And I think just by broadening it a little bit, but I would encourage people to look at a broader a broader perspective. At the end of the day, we're human beings. We need to move. We need to move in ways that excite us so that we want to go back and remain motivated to keep going back and moving. And I think that's the end game. And it doesn't really matter where you get that as long as you get a range of experiences. I know Michelle Delcourt talks about resiliency training, and I love this right now. Some of us get stuck in our rut and we do one thing, bar and bar and bar, over and over, or cycling, cycling, cycling. It doesn't make sense. The body breaks down. We have to move in different planes, have different experiences, different intensities, different durations. So I encourage people to take a broader look because some of that's family-based, some of it's community-based, some of it's solo pursuit. You've got to find something that you love, you know, and get the good stuff in. That's a really interesting point about, you know, what... If you, you can't only ever do cycle, you can't only ever do bar, you can't only ever do one style of training because our bodies do need a variety of, of you know, stresses and stimulus. But from the business side of things, you know, how does that impact how a business such as a Soul Cycle or you know, a Barry's Bootcamp, how do they make sure that they stay relevant when people are going to have changing interests and, and that will probably direct what happens with the trends? Right, and I think it's really, we, we talked a lot about, or I talk about a lot about this uh, on the road, so... What we've found is that people are working out either because their body breaks down and they get injured. So you either do one thing or you overdo it and then you can't do it anymore because your body says enough. Or you actually do have a mix of things. Now, with the boutiques really coming in in the early 2000s and really showing us how to deliver great service, of course it makes business sense that you come and see me three or four or five times a week. But in the long term, my body's going to break down. So what we're finding now is the boutiques, for example, are now diversifying a little bit. So we're seeing, we're back to seeing micro clubs where you might go to a boutique that offers a mind-body offering, that offers a hip training, that offers some metabolic conditioning or cycle or boxing, and they're offering an array. Now we have to be very careful because if we're not good at all those things, there's also another thing that says, hey, come to us for your cycling, and why don't you go over there for your yoga? So Everyone's trying to protect it a little bit too much, but I think you have to always think of the long term and the longevity of the health of the person that you're serving because there's nothing wrong with partnering. And we're seeing this. Tone House, uh, for example, in New York brings in a regeneration partner and they do the rolling and, you know, promote cryo and all of these things because that's not what they do. They can still be this athletic thing, but they're offering these partnerships. And that's what a club was supposed to do. You know, a club is supposed to offer these, and we are seeing the comeback of the clubs uh, in response to the boutiques that are getting better at delivering the individual experiences. People are going to boutiques, realising it's costing a lot of money. All of us have to lift our customer service experience so that it's much more engaging for our customers, that we're with like-minded people and we're really motivated to get the results. So I think... We have to be honest, and I see a lot of people trying to diversify, but they're not very good at it. So if that's not what you should be doing, stick to what you're really good at and partner with some people that offer the other things that your clientele, because we're doing it anyway. We know that about, or particularly in the US, at least 83% of boutique goers will go to another facility or another club or another boutique. So we're doing it anyway. It's like shopping. I shop here, but I also shop there and there. So we have to kind of get our heads out a little bit and just be honest and make sure that in the end we're serving the person because in the end you'll end up with no customer once Mm -hmm. they're injured. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And it sort of sounds to me from what you just said there, it's almost like there's no there's no sense of brand loyalty amongst our consumers or our clients anymore. They realise that they need to put themselves first and that to do that, they probably need to, to shop around or to go to a number of different sources to get what they're after. I think there's brand love. I think you definitely, and you know that when people are wearing the T-shirt, drinking the bottle, posting on Instagram, we know all of that. So, you know, there are absolute brand advocates for Seoul, but you know that they might pop off and do a Barry's if they want to do that style of work. Workout, or they might be going to, you know, go do some infrared yoga or something like that. So definitely, I think there's loyalty, but I just think if you're not providing everything, perhaps don't be so upset if you can't be all things, because in the end, you have to serve the person. Yeah, definitely. So then what are the trends that you're seeing? Obviously, you mentioned there's the, the boutique clubs, obviously, they're, they're as strong as ever, but there is a resurgence in the big chain fitness clubs coming back. What else are you seeing around the world that's that's uh, that's trending at the moment? Right. So, I mean, as far as the boutiques go, we're definitely seeing a, a plateauing out in New York and LA that have led those trends. We're definitely seeing everyone's rushed into the space. Everyone's opened up. Some have been more successful than others. Some are scaling, some are failing, some are closing, some are collaborating with others. Some are you know, being brought in as the fitness solution for like a hotel or like a, a shared living space or a place where people work. So we're beginning to see, you know, I think, to be honest, I think CrossFit a lot for this because they took us back out into the communities, as does Zumba, and put us back on every corner and, and back out in smaller pods. And, and I think, you know, we're really, you know, sitting on top of all of those trends that have gone before the boutiques. I mean, that set it up for the boutique. They just brought in the price point. But, you know, CrossFit was quite high as well. So we're seeing that top out. Then you're sort of saying, gosh, you've got to have content, you've got to be consistent, and you've got to, in the end, be good enough that people yearn to return. So it's business basics. So call it what you like, market it what you like. At the end of the day, you have to be good enough that people want to come to you and consistently and for a long time in order to make money. So I think Boutique has taught us all to lift our game. Definitely seeing that the clubs are coming back, they're redoing their areas, their cycling rooms are very, very impressive now. We're seeing more functional training space. We're seeing some of almost the club within a club sense, and there are some clubs like that. London's doing that really well right now. One Rebel, Gymbox, you know, all of these places that actually have a collection of boutiques. And then people are working out that I can actually get all those flavours in here now that the service is lifted, now that everyone's tightening up their programming, offering more end-to-end services, perhaps there's juices or things at the end of it. So we're definitely seeing nutrition play a part. We're definitely seeing mindfulness. So, you know, I reach into Health Advisory Board at Equinox, this very knowledgeable group of people, and, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, there's a lot of work going into Alzheimer's and mental health stuff and data being used and integrated in very great ways. So we will continue to be automated. So I think all the mundane tasks that humans don't need to be doing, data analysis, you know, booking classes, you know, all of that stuff will be automated. And that is something that I've noticed is a little slower here down under. It's definitely moving very quickly in the States and it's definitely moving very quickly in other industries. So I I always encourage people to look outside of fitness to other industries that are a little bit more established, deal with a little bit more people and have a little bit more money because they're beginning to build those automated systems that then, and don't be scared of this, free us up to be more human. So now we can, in those human touch points, we can be more welcoming, we can be more present. A lot of front desks are disappearing right now. So I've already booked online, I'm just literally there to be welcomed by the concierge or the coach. Every detail managed here, out the door, and until I come back next time, 
And even that is being extended into the app. You know, I then go, I've got the feedback, I've got the, the Instagram post, I've got, you know, I know all my friends, I know what's happening. So it's a very seamless experience. And it's just being, you know, naturally put into the natural behaviours of your life. So given that there's so much automation on, I guess, the front end of a lot of studios and facilities and boutiques, how would you anticipate that that automation would then flow on down into the technical side of things? So you mentioned virtual before, you know, can you speak a little bit about that and and how you think that's going to sort of impact the way that trainers and instructors are working in the gyms these days? 100%. And I, I see all of those things on one continuum. So I can go to a live class, sure, or I can go to a virtual class, or I can do an at home on demand class, or I can do an at home streamed class for example peloton uh, or you've got flywheel uh, anywhere you know they're out there and you've also got your you know your daily burn so you've got all the tv online anything that i can get off an app anything i can get off my phone so all of that's there we've got vr so virtual reality augmented reality and uh, holograms all being worked on right now so that's going to put us even more inside the workout and I know that Black Box, who won the uh, Innovation Award at the Consumer Electronics Show in San Francisco earlier this year, they're opening their first VR boutique in San Francisco fairly soon, actually in a few months, I believe. So that'll be interesting. They're also putting into the home a mirror, which will have the ability to create an immersive environment at home. Wow. Now, these are the first cut. They've got a big amount of money. They've raised some money. So they'll, they'll take us into the home. And then I think with the gaming gaming world coming into fitness and with you know health and all these other people coming in google watching the space apple watching the space you know uh, amazon all of these people are watching the space watching how much money is going out on betterment if i use a broader term you'll hear brian o'rourke and people like that uh, futurists talking about betterment you'll see all of that happening. So that, that's happening from the tech point of view. Now, in terms of program delivery, if you look at F45, if you look at uh, Rumble, which is a boxing boutique, which is out of New York, and I think Miami and LA and soon to be London. So that's, if you think about it, it's like a Barry's Bootcamp with the boxing bag, but they already have the programming streaming in the class. So there's an example where the program's been taken care of. So the instructor is now a motivator, concierge, and is just there for you. They're not trying to coach, they're trying to motivate get you doing the right stuff, adjust you, you know, rah, rah. So already we're seeing a specialist of skills. And so it really makes sense that those people are fantastic connectors, fantastic motivators, and perhaps don't be, need to be so strong on, you know, some of the coaching which already been taken care of. So we're seeing that come in, come into the content delivery. We're seeing, you know, some of the value-based chains, a lot of that stuff is just off an app or it's off a, a board because they, they can't support the human model of having lots of people running around the gym floor so a lot of that is already automated so you're already seeing content generated it's somewhat become commoditized everyone's trying to have their brand around it but it's definitely and then people are wanting to train when they travel so whether I train virtually with my trainer or whether I just follow a program or whether I'm following Kayla or you know whatever it is you know it's wherever I want it now and it's really good you know like it's good you mentioned motivation and I think that that kind of ties really well into that that you know, moving things to virtual or having less one-to-one connection in some instances, such as live streaming classes into your home, that type of thing. You know, I think that that's a really interesting dichotomy to me because on a trainer level down here at the grassroots, you know, we're seeing more trainers placing more emphasis on things like mindset, behavior change, coaching skills, so that they understand how to make their clients want to make lifestyle changes that will serve them for life. 
So by having things like virtual classes streaming into people's homes or, you know, being able to, to turn up to the gym and hit play and then, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, an instructor there delivering a class to you when you're on your own, how much do you think that that is already targeting the people that are already in the fitness industry and maybe not the ones that are less motivated and probably need a little bit more help to get to the gym and have that, that you know, adherence boosted by having someone keep them accountable? Fascinating point. And what we've actually found through research is that people are using virtual and they're using at-home apps and you know all various things to actually get familiar to build up enough confidence and maybe just to feel good about some of the moves so they don't feel humiliated you know there's still a big barrier of walking into a club particularly for certain age groups and you know demographics and if you're not fit I remember when I used to work at Les Mills people used to go and join another gym in order to get fit enough to join a Les Mills you know that was sort of way back in the day so we're actually seeing that it's actually working the other way around where people in the privacy of their own home and in their own time are able to sort of get a little bit and those brands that are doing it well will do hey here's a 10 minute introduction to yoga hey here's a 20 minute introduction to hip training let's just work on a move today so we're finding that it's actually feeding it essentially we know that humans are social beings we do actually seek to be together but you know I was just in the Peloton uh, showroom the other day and like I was on a bike obviously I wasn't in the New York City which is where they're streaming it from but they're calling out people on the leaderboard and you know you're feeling a part of it even though you're not there and I sat there and listened to a lot of the conversations and a lot of it was soul cycle customers who are actually saying oh look just sometimes I can't make it to the gym or I've got kids or this would be great for my husband who works really late and they're using it as a supplement so people are really just trying to set their life up to have a range of experiences. And any one thing, and we know this, we get bored, we get curious, and that's why the boutiques were so successful. We and most a lot of people would hold on to their membership and and then be running around town, you know, just getting a bit of excitement. That gets tired after a while because it doesn't have a shower, can I park my car? And then but right now we're at a stage where I want to be able to do whatever I want to do wherever I am. And it's very much, and everything's the phone. Like the phone's become a wearable, if you think about it. It's always with you and it can measure some stuff. Apple are enabling a lot of a lot of the apps behind the scenes, you know, without actually making any direct plays in the market. And and I think that's that's kind of what's happening. So I think it's it's working both ways. I think it's supporting people. I think we definitely need a, a bigger dialogue and a better dialogue to the people that we're not reaching. And I think the boutiques have done that in many cases because they've been able to have a single-minded conversation with a person who might love bar or who might love uh, high-low aerobics or whatever it is. And I think there's opportunity. And we know that this year older populations have made the top 10 so I really I'm feeling very hopeful that we can create something as intoxicating for that group that we find intoxicating in the gym crowd which doesn't appeal to them so I think it goes both ways so I think you're going to have people in the clubs being served by people one-on-one I don't think it necessarily has to start there because I think you can build confidence by actually having a bit of privacy while you learn some of the ropes of getting in there and just start to move your body Mm. yeah So earlier in the conversation, we were talking about how a trend is created or how it evolves or becomes a trend. I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this that are just thinking, I want my business to become a trend or my concept or my online program, whatever it might be. What do you think is the best way for them to be approaching this? You know, it sounds as if you don't really have any control over making something a trend. So then, you know, what's the best avenue for someone to go down? A business owner, a sole trader, someone that's trying to get as much, I guess, momentum behind a program or a product as possible. How can they go about doing that? 
Right, so it's a great question and I get this a lot and I think it's, I'm always mindful of the trends. Like I think you have to look at it and and there's always a counter trend so you can always look in the opposite direction and sometimes get ideas. We've watched people going hit, 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 which to me shows that regeneration, brain training, yoga, yin, you know, all of the yin practices are going to make a comeback because we're going to smash ourselves over here including our central nervous system so you know that that's going to make a swing back. I would say just... Have a point of view and make it the best the best version of that point of view. Like what you have to do is it's got to become so good that it's self-contained in its greatness. So, you know, we look at dancing on a bike versus the metrics on a bike. You know, just, just make that. And that's what sold it. They just made it a, a beautiful experience end to end. You welcomed, you were there with your friends, you got held out, you all went in, you had this superstar instructor, you had concierges running around after you. You basically got therapy on a bike. It followed a formula, beautifully delivered, amazing music. And at the end of it, there was a cathartic response to it. The candles, the light, the lights go out, the drama, they come off, I'm the rock chick, I'm the EDM girl, I'm the the Bieber guy, you know, whatever. <laughs> so you've all had your thing and all of that just got maximised. So it was a beautiful experience. So I think what people try to do is that you know if you're trying to create a, a trend, just be really, really good at whatever the thing is that you're trying to do. Be single-minded, don't compromise on that. It has to be good enough that I want to do it again. Now, in programming, done a lot of programming in my time, we have to physiologically have a response and you have to emotionally, spiritually, you know, mentally have a response as well. And if you have both of those things, that creates something that I want to do again. And I don't think, I just see a lot of me too out there and a lot of it isn't quite as good as the me too that they're trying to copy. And I would just urge people to think of the touch points right across building a program or an experience. Think about it from end to end. How are we welcomed into this? What is the process? How much freedom is there? Who teaches it? What's the language? What's the music? What's the experience? What are the high points, the low points? What do I walk away with? And you've also got to remember, people are wearing wearables. Mm. So if part of the promise is to get a result, you better put your heart rate monitor on and make sure you're getting a damn result if that's what we're promising. So, and if you're not, if it's all about the feeling, you better make sure that I'm in the right state, physically, heart rate-wise, to get that feeling. I mean, we know that's why people love HIT, actually, because there's, there's, that, there's that feeling you've been pushed beyond what you want to do, and you get that euphoria from that, you know. So yeah. you mentioned Soul Cycle is yeah. one of the organisations that's creating that great experience. Who else springs to mind for you or that you that has your attention at the moment? That's yeah, I mean, that's that. the obvious one. So the ones that are scaling have demand cross-border, right? So Soul, Barry's... Uh, Orange Theory, F45. So these are just good examples of companies that are scaling. And yes, you've got to raise some money and you've got to be able to build the teams. You need to be careful you don't scale beyond how good your people are because you can quickly scale too fast, not do a good job, and it will be your undoing. So a lot of these brands are thinking about this very mindfully before they do it. Stuff I love right now, and this it brings back a specialist element. So there's a couple of boxing places that I absolutely love. Gloveworks, Leon and the team there and here in LA, they've just opened in Century City as well. They also do great mitt work. So they're, they're athletes themselves. You get in the ring, you get the real deal, you get better, you get a kick-ass workout. But you're dealing with specialists. They really know what they're doing. And by the way, they've got the Versa Climbers and the Rowers and the Metcon stuff. But you're there because they're so good on the pads. I love uh, Y7 yoga. I love doing heated yoga that's not too hot. I used to love Bikram. I've kind of moved towards infrared is my preference now. And they use great hip-hop music. So there's a great idea of bringing a practice that I love, bringing in music that I love and doing it in a heated environment just to unwind my tight body quicker. So I love that. 
I love some of the meditation places. I like to pop into Mindful. I love the stretch lab. There's a lot of stretch labs now popping up in the US as people realise. Now, what's good about this is I go in, it's 15, 20, 45 minute workout, whatever, with a, with a stretcher. They're actually physically stretching you. You walk out of there and you feel a million dollars. So, I mean, I, I love that. And I mean, I get to try a boutique every week and I love a lot of them, you know, but the ones that have me coming back are the ones that have a beautiful formula. I feel like I haven't wasted my time being there because a lot of them can be a nice experience, but the workouts, they need a bit more work on the programming or it's a bit hit and miss with the instructors. So you've got to, you know, got to work at all those things. So those are some of the things that I love anyway at the moment. Great. And then my, my final question on the trend space is, how important is it for business owners and trainers to be paying attention to the trends? You know, you, we always see those top 10 trends lists and things that come out. How important is it for, for a business owner or manager to be looking at these things? I think it's important to keep an eye on them. But even in the top 10, I would say that they're differently expressed here in Australia versus the US versus London. Everyone's at a different growth cycle. And whatever data has been collected, and there was a large amount of data in this instance, you know, to get those top 10, but it might not relate to your area. Because the other thing is, if you have a business, you know, you're serving the people of your community, and they might not want to do hit, and they might not want to do complex dance, and they might not want to hit bags and do boxing. So I think you have to pay attention to what's needed in the industry. But always be mindful of the trends. But the other thing I'd say about trends is, it's never just one trend that's going to drive massive success. It's always a bunch of trends. So if you think about it, we know that cycling and cardio workouts is a trend. We know that hip training is a trend. We know that millennials doing boutique fitness at pay-as-you-go model is a trend. We know that athleisure is a trend, therefore you need to... So when you're opening a business, the more of those things that you can sit on, the more enticing it is and the more of a brand you have built. So I think that's really interesting. So I'd keep an eye on them. I, I think it's more important to be ready to pivot and because I'm already seeing people who might have three offerings within one boutique or one micro gym saying, look, we're going to go with this for now, but we're fully ready to go if the market goes in this direction and we can refit one room out and we can become these three boutiques. And I really quite like that because if you think about it, you know, Zumba has come and gone and now they're reinventing it through Strong. What are some of the other things that have come through? Uh, you know, if you just have a single, you know, we noticed that Soul, you know, had one class for a while, they're now diversifying into Soul Annex, you know, as another example. So you just have to be careful, <laughs> you know, and just keep an eye out, keep a business. And if people stop coming, you know, if the numbers start waning, and we are definitely seeing that in boutique now, people are, you know, perhaps coming one less time a week and maybe doing something else or going back to their club, what is it, whatever it is. You have to be ready for that because the moment that your occupancy drops to a certain level, you know, your business is challenged, you know, and you have to be ready to say, right, how do I fill that up again? Now, people have been using the aggregators a lot, you know, Class Pass, Fit Reserve, Move, GB, whatever it is uh, in Australia, they're all different. And these can work. They can also be a little bit tricky because you're essentially discounting. So if you're just filling a class in an off-peak time, fantastic. But if you then expect that person to convert to a higher paying membership or pay-as-you-go, that can be challenging. So I think, yeah, just just stay nimble. The market's very dynamic. There will be a settling period. We're feeling, for example, in Australia, we're feeling a lot of the boutique is a frenzy. And also you can't judge, my final piece of advice would be don't judge the world on West Hollywood, Flatiron in New York City and Bondi Beach because those are three distinct places where it's always going to be very trendy and cool and it doesn't necessarily represent the world. Where you live represents the world. You might be slightly rural. You might be in a, in a, in a slightly different area where rowing's really big because you happen to have, you know, whatever. 
So you just have to keep an eye on the trends, but also keep an eye on your membership. And then try stuff. I just say to people, try stuff. Hey guys, we're doing a six-week program. Come along, let us know what you think and give us your feedback. Or we're going to try four workouts over the next four weeks. Tell us what you like. You know, I don't see enough of that. I see people going, oh, let's do soul or let's do berries or let's do this, you know. Don't do that. Just Well, you can do that. Obviously, there are things that work. There's a lot of treadmills out there. But just think about trying stuff. You know, just give it to some of your best instructors. You know, unleash them and just see, you know, see what works. That's great. Thank you so much. Now, so before welcome. we wrap up, I'd love to find out if people want to know more about you, the coaching and mentoring work you're doing, the trends work that you're doing, the futurism stuff, where can they find you and how can they follow you? Great. So I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. So emmaberry.com is my website. Emma C.C. Barry is Instagram. Emma at emmaberry.us is my email. But if you just Google me, you'll find me. And uh, I'm doing a bunch of work. So I'm very fortunate to be speaking around the world. I have some projects around the world, mainly in the US and Europe. And I also mentor. So I mentor for projects, groups, a little bit of business slash personal development coaching, and then I do individuals as well. So all of that. And yes, and I only have people approach me because I like to motivate or I like to motivate people who are motivated themselves. So uh, I'm not out there rustling, rustling business. I just, when people resonate with me, they will find me and we will maybe talk about working together. That's great. Can't recommend it enough. I've just <laughs> had such great growth as a result of it. So, Oh, great. Thank We've you. had a great time, haven't yes, we? And I'm so proud of this one. Let's oh, just say you. that. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And thanks so much for your time and for Welcome. joining us on the Fitness Industry Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. To grow the success of your fitness business, learn from the industry experts in Network's online course, Tactical Strategies for Fitness Business Success, accredited for CECs and other professional development points. Go to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Fitness Mastery Series. Members of Australian Fitness Network save 25% on this course, so go to fitnessnetwork.com.au to grow your fitness business. And for face-to-face learning, remember that network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention.